Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University. And with me today is actually Dr. Justin Talley, who's also from OSU. So welcome, Justin. Hi, how are you? So Justin is actually a livestock entomologist. So first of all, what the heck is a livestock entomologist? I deal with everything that bugs you. So all the bugs that are that can get into livestock, I usually try to work on either re, on research projects or extension projects. And so horses get to fall into that category too, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and you've even done a little bit of horse research or horse pest research, I guess that is. Yeah, we've uh, looked at some new products for horses and looked at how uh, different flies can impact horses' behavior as well. Well, that might be an episode for another day. <laughs> so, yeah. so the reason um, that I invited you on today um, was actually to talk about blister beetles. So my background, um, being a horse person, we've always advised people to worry about alfalfa because that's primarily where blister beetles are found, but it's also pretty regional. So if Maybe, Justin, if you want to even jump in, like, why is it alfalfa and why is it regional? Uh, well, blister beetles are very interesting because uh, they're, they're mainly a plant feeding beetle, uh, which means they really like to feed on plants when uh, there's uh, flowers or blooms. And so that's why they really like alfalfa. In general, if you want to think of a line across the United States, anywhere from Texas all the way north to the Dakotas and back to the East Coast, you have a high likelihood of getting blister beetles in, in and around your operation or in alfalfa hay itself. All right, so I'm picturing a map of the United States. If I draw a line from Texas, which is the bottom, to the Dakotas, that's the top. <laughs> so, so you're saying everywhere. Uh, pretty much everywhere. We don't see a lot of blister beetles in the Rocky Mountains or in on the Pacific Coast. But uh, yeah, pretty much uh, the majority of horses in the U.S. you can find blister beetles. So why did we never worry about it much when I lived in Wisconsin? Our, I mean, we grew a lot of alfalfa. It was a dairy state and we blissfully fed alfalfa to our horses. Uh, yeah, so you up in the northern parts, you actually can have problems. And in fact, just this past winter from uh, stored uh, hay, there was a horse operation that lost several horses and it was in the dead of winter. And so um, no matter how far north you are, it's just a matter of how many flowering plants you have and if you have alfalfa fields that they can feed on. Gotcha. So my uh, northern colleagues are not going to be excited to hear this. Nope. <laughs> so... <laughs> The flowers are what actually attract um, the beetles then? Do they eat the flowers or is it like the stage of maturity of the plant? Uh, it, well, it depends on the blister beetle, but for the majority of blister beetles that we have, uh, they'll feed on uh, the blooms and the flowers. Uh, and, and to a certain degree, that does uh, 
kind of give you an indication of of the maturity of the plant. So, so they, occasionally they'll feed on other parts of the plant, but they certainly will be attracted to those plants when they are. So if it's harvested sort of at the right time, maybe that's why we sometimes don't have problems. Well, that, that's a great point. That's one of the biggest things that we try to advocate is if you're getting alfalfa hay is either get a first cutting or one of the last cuttings because you're out of that bloom period. And so if you get alfalfa during those two periods, you're usually going to have a, a lower likelihood of having blisters. That's pretty good advice. So I wanted to um, talk about, because this has come up here in Oklahoma recently, and we're not as big of an alfalfa state. I mean, people grow alfalfa here, but just not, you know, when I think of the dairy land, <laughs> it's all alfalfa. Um, but we've been getting some people saying they've got blister beetles, like, everywhere so they're like crawling into the barn and like in their stall so and it's not associated with the alfalfa in that point in time is this just another symptom of 2020 like this is the worst year ever <laughs> yeah yeah so instead of murder hornets you have blistering beetles that can get you everywhere so uh, <laughs> there's nothing good about 2020 <laughs> yeah no so um you know, unfortunately, in, in the South, especially in Oklahoma, um, anytime you have some hot weather, blister beetles will try to move in, in indoors sometimes, and especially into horse barns that have a lot of things that blister beetles really like, including uh, flowering plants or uh, broadleaf weeds around the barn. So I'm going to back up. So flowering plants, do you mean like because we're horse people, we like things pretty. So like the geraniums and petunias, like that kind of thing? Well, not, not necessarily to all, to the, to the decorative plants, but they, any kind of thing they can have that's very colorful and has a bloom could attract a blister. So the more we work to make our property pretty, we're attracting the beetles. You make it pretty to the beetles too. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Ack. Okay, so you also, so we've got the flowers, and then you said the broadleaf weeds as well. Like, what kind of those are we talking about? Uh, it could be anything from, like, uh, what we call pigweed, uh, kochia weed sometimes, but anything with uh, broadleaf, it's, uh, it's certainly that can have a flower, flower on it. So a lot of times here in the south, we'll get a lot of pigweed in and around uh, barns because uh we'll get pigweed seeds in hay sometimes and so it'll start growing around our, our operations so is that why uh having somebody with a weed eater is pretty important absolutely you want to go chop them hack them and chop them so if you got somebody that that uh, you either want to punish for a while or somebody that you just want to pay uh some uh, some salary to get those weeds down chop those weeds down or is this an opportunity for exercise? Absolutely. It's there in this time. I think I certainly need the, to go out and weed eat. I've gained more weight now than any other time. <laughs> well, I could invite you over, but we actually do a pretty good job here. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> so the, the beetles then might just be attracted to what's growing around the barn. And so when they go into the barn, are they just trying to get out of the heat? I mean, what are they yeah, doing in there? So, it, and again, it depends on the blister beetle species, but sometimes uh, they're just getting into where it's a little bit cooler. And sometimes it's just an accident that they're inside the barn because we'll get these large swarms of blister beetles 
because it's part of their mating behavior. So not only is the, the, the weeds attracting the, the beetles to feed on, but it's also a site where they'll start, the males and females will start mating. So we're interrupting like a big beetle orgy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. And so we have a lot of swarms in and around, uh, especially in Oklahoma, we have uh, uh, swarming blister beetles that will just uh, get all over those plants. And then uh, what will happen is as it gets hotter throughout the day, they will try to seek some uh, cooler uh, areas, including barns and shaded areas. Okay, this is painting a fantastic picture. So, so if somebody finds, well, maybe let's go back a little bit. How do you know if you have them? I mean, there's there's a lot of bugs in Oklahoma. Not gonna lie. So, how do you know if it's a blister yeah. beetle? I assume you don't crunch it up and see if it hurts. <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, blister beetles, especially those that can impact horses, are are going to be kind of long and narrow in body, and anywhere from about three quarters to an inch and a half in length. One of the telltale signs is that their antennae are actually about anywhere from half to three quarters the length of their body. Um, and sometimes they'll have them kind of flayed out in front of their head, but sometimes they'll curl back behind their body sometimes. But um, we have many different colors of blister beetles. We have uh, striped blister beetles. We have some blister beetles that can have spots. Uh, so we don't usually just name them by color, but um, it ranges from anywhere from black to gray to intermingling of, of, of striped green and yellow. Okay, so what should someone do if they see these guys? So if they see them, they certainly need to be concerned about uh, where they find them. So one of the biggest things, if you find them in or on hay that is stored in the barn, you certainly need to be concerned and, and, and probably get rid of that hay, uh, especially if it's alfalfa hay. Uh, we can get high concentrations uh, of dead beetles or beetle parts in alfalfa hay. The other thing is, is if we have a lot of swarming blister beetles uh, in and around the operation, they keep and they just happen to come inside, then there's some different things that you can do to, to get rid of them. You don't, have to, you don't have to get rid of all your hay unless you suspect that that's where they're coming from. Okay, so we can like spray for them essentially. You're absolutely correct. We can spray, you can spray your barn. You actually have more options when you're spraying the, the facilities or, or barn itself, uh, just as long as you don't spray the animals inside the barn. Uh, we call these premise sprays, if you want, and again, they're premise sprays because uh, they are not intended to be applied on an animal or anywhere near the animal, including uh, the feed that the animal's going to be, that that animal will be given. Okay, so if you see the beetle on the alfalfa, you do not spray the alfalfa with that. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, that's a really bad idea because uh, you certainly don't want a horse to ingest any kind of insects. Okay, so we probably should be really clear here too that a premise spray is not ever like a fly spray. It's nothing that we'd be spraying on the animal, anything that the animal would eat. So these are very separate products. Yeah, absolutely. These are these are completely different categories um, and, and completely different ways that these products are tested. So again, when we talk about a premise spray, you need to have in the in the front of your mind to apply it nowhere near an animal. 
Um, and so you've got to keep that and you really got to read those label and uh, directions. If you've got, if you read those label directions very uh, clearly, then you, you'll notice it says do not apply on the animal. Ah, so reading directions. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's a new concept. <laughs> I know. So that means we need to get the horses out of the barn um, and keep them out of there. And I assume all the labels will sort of say how long before an animal can be around there. Well, so most of the products will have a say a, a, a re-entry uh, interval, uh, but not all of the products will, because some of the, these products they they've been around for a long time. Some of these are simple per, per meter and type sprays that you uh, spray in a lot of different areas. But when you look for a, a premise spray uh, and it doesn't, and it doesn't have horses on the label, but it, it could have beetles, then just know you can't apply it to the animal. It has to have horses actually in the label to say in how much you can apply on that animal. If it's, if it's uh, an on animal product. Okay. But again, the beetles are not going to land on your horse. That would be a pretty random event. You're absolutely correct. The beetles are not attracted to the horse in any way. They just cause a lot of problems for the horse. Yeah. So, and we want to be clear. Uh, so you'd think like living beetles will get out of the way, but the dead beetle, he's still toxic, all these little beetle parts. And so if the horse just accidentally eats it while they're grazing around or eating some grain, Bingo, bango, bad things happen. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, there's a, the compound within a beetle that causes issues for horses is known as cantharidin. And cantharidin, it can be in varying concentrations between blister beetle species, but as few as 0.5 uh, milligrams to 1.0 milligrams can cause problems to a horse. And so horses are pretty susceptible to this. Again, that's why I've always known about them. And we've made those recommendations with uh, horses and, and alfalfa. But is it just because horses are susceptible to everything and want to cost us more money? Why do we not care in other livestock? Um, so it, it, here's the the... Um, one thing is it can be toxic to other animals. It can be toxic to dairy. It can be toxic to cattle, but it's certainly toxic to horses. So a little bit of what you're saying is true. Horses are just sensitive to everything. We've got horses can have skin slough off when they have flies feed on them sometimes. So uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So um, in general, uh, horses are probably our most susceptible animal species to uh, okay. So I suppose I should probably provide some of this information, but I'm going to just let you do it anyhow. So yeah. what should we be looking for in the horse if we think they have it? What kind of signs are they going to give us? Uh, you know, in general, some horses will just give you just some general colic signs um, where they're, they're depressed. Uh, they're not eating as much. Well, one of the telltale signs is that, that they'll actually dip their muzzle into some water because the, 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 the cantharidin within the beetles can actually blister some their, their, their gums and their lips sometimes. But, and so to ease that, that burning sensation, sometimes horses will dip their nose, their whole muzzle into a water trough. And it's not usually in a playful manner that, they, that a lot of horses would do this. They, they, you could visibly see that they're agitated. Um, another thing is, is uh, they're, they're just, they are just not looking like a hundred percent. And so, which can be a, I understand that could be a million things for a horse, 
But uh, really, if you, if you have blister beetles around or if you notice some blister beetles and you see that horse is just not 100%, then you probably need to make sure you, it gets checked out by a veterinarian. Yeah, so that's one of the things I always advocate. Like every time you look at that horse, just knowing what that picture of their normal behavior is so that you can pick up really quickly when something is going wrong. Um, and completely advocate, you need to be able to take heart rates, your respiration rates, you can call that vet and say, this is what I'm seeing. Um, yeah, so I, you know, it's just that basic practice. If I see a horse near the water trough for a while, I'm going to stop and see what the heck is he doing? Did he just get a drink and leave or is he doing something funky? If he's doing something funky, it's my job to go see what the heck is going on. Yeah, absolutely. So any abnormal behavior in that horse, uh, certainly get it checked out. So other, so we talked about them um, coming into the barn, um, and in my world, it's my pretty geraniums. And <laughs> but for pastures as well, like we don't always think about um, flowers and different weeds as far as a pest issue. But I, but I guess the more we control what's in our pastures, then the less likelihood we have of beetles. Yep. So think of it this way. Think of it if you've got a nice pasture that you've got good forage that a horse is eating on, but then you have these islands out there that are like wheat, that are these big broadleaf weeds. So those islands are highly visible to a, a blister beetle. And then once they get to that, that location, they'll, they'll send out uh, pheromones and signals to say, hey, come here. We've got a great weed that we can use uh, for either a food resource or a mating resource. So uh, now I'm going to be like the, the newbie person here. So I, I have horses at my, my place and we're not doing anything commercial. We're not trying to um, raise cattle or anything like that. So in our native fields, we, we actually, we don't spray. So here's my full confession. Um, the positive side of that is we get a lot of the really cool Oklahoma wildflowers. So do we need to just destroy all of those? Is there a way we can have a happy medium in our pastures? Yeah, so I think any kind of native uh, flowering plant is not going to be a, a, any major issue in attracting more blister beetles. It's those broadleaf weeds. So anytime that you see something that you, if you're going to bail it up for hay, you're like, oh, I don't want to go through there and swap that part of the pasture because it's weedy that's probably going to be the area that you need to think about blister beetles as well. So if you got a good hay pasture with no weeds, you usually don't have any blister beetles, but if you have some weeds in there, you're going to have uh, some blister beetles. Again, this exception to this is alfalfa. They're highly attracted to alfalfa because it's the blooming plant. And, uh, but other than that, um, uh, native wildflowers shouldn't be a problem. Perfect. So we do love our wildflowers here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now one other question. Uh, walk me through the grasshopper part of this. So um, blister beetles actually have a, a beneficial function because they'll actually feed on grasshopper eggs. And, um, and so why sometimes we see blister beetles coming out when it's uh, more hot and dry is because you've got a lot of blister beetle or, or a lot of grasshoppers uh, that are laying their eggs and surviving. And so the blister beetles are out there foraging around and so they're, they're gonna feed on these. And why I say that's beneficial is because the grasshopper can actually eat more than a cow sometimes. 
when we consider how much. Um, what kind of grasshoppers are these, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> these are Oklahoma grasshoppers. <laughs> we'll call them lubers sometimes. <laughs> no. The uh, uh, the um, the issue is is that um, so there is a beneficial function to a lot of blister beetles, uh, but in general. Blister beetles are always around. It's just when we get them in high concentrations that we're... So have you had any of your own experiences with blister beetles? So a personal story about blister beetles. When we used to have horses in West Texas, we, you know, we don't have a lot of plants because it's too dry out there, but we could certainly get weeds. And one time we had a weed outside our, our horse barn that was covered in blister beetles that, I mean, they were just falling off this weed. It was, it, it looked like a fountain of blister beetles just coming off of this weed. So that was my personal story. Uh, we can certainly get a lot of these uh, in and around the Oklahoma, that's for sure. So you didn't have any horses that died or any issues? You just saw them at your house? Yeah, I just saw them because again, they weren't in our hay. They were just in the weeds by our horse barn. We, you know, we knocked them down and got rid of that. Well, we finally got rid of the weed that we probably should have got rid of two months ago, gotcha. but uh, got rid of it. No, no horse problems and everybody was all well and good. So you didn't go out there with the flamethrower and just... <laughs> <laughs> That would have been cool. You see fl <laughs> flaming beetles flying away. You think you're on a journey album or something like that. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that album. <laughs> well, every, every journey album has a beetle on it. It does? Yeah, look up uh, Journey and look up their like uh, their 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 album art and uh, it has a beetle on it. Really? Did yeah. they just like beetles? I don't know. Were don't they know. like was... emulating the Beatles? Uh no, I don't think so. I think they always had some and again these are not blister beetles on their label, but they had like uh, a beetle on on their their album covers all the time. So do you know how you many need, people are now going to be Googling that? Yeah, there you go. You need to uh, play Journey in the background as you, as we uh, play this. We might segment. have to. I can do that. I can lay a soundtrack <laughs> in. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Well, um, any last kind of words for advice for people? Um, is this panic? Should they really, like, we need to address this right now? I mean, Words of wisdom. So, you know, the most important thing is, is one, don't overreact. We don't need to spray everything. Uh, but you, you need to be concerned if you have a lot of beetles around uh, your, your horse barn or horse operation. And what we really have found out is if you get rid of the weeds, uh, you're getting rid of uh, probably 95% of the problem. Uh, and so if you have a weedy area around your, your, your barn, uh, try to take care of that, and then uh, if you find some bl blister beetles inside the barn, you need to treat it, but be careful when you treat it. Don't, don't overdo it. Okay, so great words of advice, and this, again, just might be another hallmark of, of the hits that keep on coming in 2020. There you go. You got flaming beetles. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, Dr. Talley, really appreciate your time today. And this has been another Tag Box Talk for Stories with a Purpose.